This evening we move into uh, chapter 17 in the confession as uh, as often as you um, kind of begin to understand reformed theology uh, often people will call the the five points of Calvinism and uh, will use the tulip T-U-L-I-P And uh, in that last P is the perseverance of the saints. And that's uh, our topic tonight as we uh, look at chapter 17. The perseverance of the saints has had many attacks upon it. We hear the comments, once saved, always saved. Is that a a biblical argument? Is that a a man-made argument? And I, I hope over this and next week... Um, And in God's providence, I think it's fitting that as we're looking at this, we looked at the life of Peter today. For Peter's life is a great picture of the perseverance of the saints. For notice, it is the perseverance of the who? The saints. Not of everybody, but of the saints. John chapter 10, verse 28, and uh, many of you may already have this memorized, but I encourage you over the next two weeks, work on this as an individual and as a family. Jesus says these words, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. We're going to come back to that verse a little bit later. But to kind of just lay the groundwork Paragraph 1 kind of covers the entire doctrine. Paragraph 2 kind of comes back and emphasizes part of the paragraph 1, and paragraph 3 emphasizes part of paragraph 1. So we're going to kind of cover 1 and 2 tonight and then come back to 3 next week. Paragraph 1, if you want to follow along on the screen. Think of, as we're... You might, you're probably hearing this maybe for the first time as far as in a while, and uh, just encourage you to think about the logic that follows here. Those whom God has accepted in the Beloved, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, and given the precious faith of His elect unto, can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end." And be eternally saved, seeing the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, from which source he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality. And though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock by faith they are fastened upon. Excuse me, the rock which by faith they are fastened upon. Notwithstanding, though, through unbelief and the temptations of Satan, the sensible sight of the light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them, yet he is still the same. And they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraved upon the palm of his hands and their names having been written 
in the book of life from all eternity. And then paragraph two. This perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election, flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father, upon the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ and union with him, the oath of God, the abiding of his spirit and the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace from, which, from all which ariseth also the certainty and infallibility thereof. There's a lot of words there, and maybe some of them even kind of stood out to you and said, what does that mean? I hope tonight in our time we have an opportunity to kind of clarify those. But first of all, I want us to look at the who this is speaking of, or the whom this is speaking of. Notice the paragraph one begins when we're talking about the perseverance of the saints. It is those who are four things, accepted in the beloved, effectually called, those who are given faith, and those who are his elect. Are those four different groups of people? No, that's one group of people. But that's a picture of what has happened. Think about where we've come through in the confession. The decree of God, his election, the predestination of his children, how he saves them, how he continues to save them and provide through the finished work of Christ. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? We've kind of, the, the order of salvation, we've kind of been walking through this. And here we are, understanding that the rest of this paragraph is going to be talking about those who are accepted in the beloved. Notice that doesn't say those who accepted Jesus in their hearts. Because we can say the words, I accept Jesus in my heart, but we can still not be of those accepted in the beloved. And that term accepted in the beloved is that picture of that that covenant between God the Father and God the Son before eternity began. That he chose us in the beloved before the foundation of the world, Ephesians says. Those who are effectually called, we've looked at that. There's the general call of salvation. That is to the everyone. But who are those that will believe? Those are the ones who are effectually called. Because they've been given faith. And who are those? They are his elect. Now again, we'll come back to these truths a little bit through this time tonight and tomorrow night. but Or next Sunday night. But, who are, but what is the what of the perseverance of the saints? What happens to those people? They two, th- two things. They cannot totally fall from the state of grace, and they cannot finally fall from the state of grace. Thinking of the life of Peter. If we have been chosen in Christ, there will be times when from human perspectives we may wonder... Are we away from the state of grace? Think of Peter denying Christ three times. It's the picture of of the completeness. We talk about the triune God or the holy, 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 the trice holy God. Peter in the picture of denying three times, he wholly denied Christ. And as Mr. Powers said this morning, If we deny Christ, he will deny us before the Father. So is Peter not saved? 
No, because for a time there was sin. There was a battle that was going on. But the perseverance is that what happens and continues to the end. But sometimes when we look from this perspective, it is difficult for us to know. Is this person apart from grace, apart from the work of God? Or is this a time of of falling into temptation and living in the flesh? We do not look with the eyes of God, all knowing, knowing the heart and intentions. But we can see and we can call people and we can say, hey, I think there's a, something you need to look at. Is this the pattern of your life? Where are you? Are you in the beloved? Because the actions that we're showing. And the emphasis here is that we cannot totally fall from grace and we cannot finally fall from grace. Those two terms, the, the totality, we cannot be all the way. There may be a falling away that we seem to have, but it is not a complete falling away. There may be a time where like Christian in the picture of the, or the, that kind of modern parable, we call it modern, but it's old to us, uh, in the Pilgrim's Progress, when he ended up in the slew of despond. Was he an unbeliever at that time? No, he was on the way to the celestial city. But he had been walking in sin. But then there was a repentance to come back. Again, it is the perseverance of the saints. Those who God has accepted in the beloved. Those who are the elect. And we understand that as John wrote his epistle to the to the church as he said in first john two nineteen, they went out from us meaning they departed they've left our way they've left our fellowship why they were not of us he says it was made manifest because he says if they had truly been of the elect he says they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. That's a difficult thing. We understand, again, looking at the truth of Scripture, we have to build upon the character of God that no one can lose their salvation. And if we can't lose our salvation, how then do we understand this? We understand it from the fact that though they may have showed some fruit, it was not salvific. We can put pretend things on people. We can conform the outward actions for a while, but sooner or later, there's the evidence that comes out. I think we all have different people in our minds and we say, are they saved? There's those times when I walked with that person. Think about even the disciples when they look back on the life of Judas and to say, hmm, I thought he was with us. He did lots of things. He went out. He performed many miracles. But notice the words that Mr. Powers said this morning, Jesus said, depart from me for I, what? I knew you, but now I don't know you. I never knew you. 
That's the, that's the difficulty that we have to come to grasp with is that we can act like it, but the fact is that we put on these externals to look like it, but we never were. Because a believer cannot totally fall from grace. Because we who are the elect prove that we are of the elect, not by accomplishing it our own strength, but because we are of the elect, as Matthew 24, 13 says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's not a if we endure in our own strength. It's if we are chosen of God, it's proven by enduring to the end. In the life of Peter today, we did not see him enduring to the end. But is that the end? No. And that is the hope that we can hold out. When we see people that we've walked with who are walking in apostasy, saying everything I once believed, I don't believe anymore. We can continue to pray in faith knowing that it is not the end. To see how God restores those, those Peters who have denied Christ. Those who have walked and denied and yet we don't know what the future holds. And until that person is called home, we don't know. And even sometimes we, even upon their departure, we don't know. But there shall be a certain perseverance to the end. They will continue. As John said, if they had been of us, they would have continued. Why? Why is this truth? Why is the perseverance of the saints true? Again, paragraph 2 says, it does not depend on our will. It's not in our strength that we persevere. Because we are the Peters. When we live in our self-reliance, we deny Christ. But, notice it says back in paragraph 1, they, are etern- they persevere to the end being eternally saved. Why? Seeing that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Now, I had to read that several times. When we think of repentance, we think of repentance and faith. That's salvific, right? But what does the word repentance have, mean? To have a change of one's mind what it what the paragraph if we kind of put it into a modern day vernacular is that seeing that the gifts and callings of gods are not reneged upon are not changed that god doesn't say here's salvation he goes oh never mind i changed my mind i took it away from you the decrees of god we've laid the foundation upon that that god does not change praise him for that fact And when God decrees something from eternity past, the truth will stand forever. God doesn't take it back. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the, what? The gift of God is what? Eternal life. God doesn't do the little Hey, I gave you a gift, now I'm going to take it back. Oops, that was meant for somebody else. Again, all this is built upon the character of God. And when we distort the character of God, then we end up with a wrong view of the understanding of what is salvation, how do we acquire salvation, and how do we keep salvation. Philippians 1.6 
being confident, Paul says of this very thing, that he who began, begun, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice that when he gives us eternal life, he doesn't just give us eternal life as it a standalone item, but he continues to give us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruit of salvation. That's how when some people want to attack this, they say, well, if it's the perseverance of the saints, then we can live however we want. No, because the proof of a saint, those who have been called of God, are those who have been filled by the Spirit as well who don't walk by the deeds of the flesh, but walk by the deeds of the Spirit. We, we've kind of seen this verse multiple times in Romans chapter 8. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called, Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Notice there's none lost in that process. From the calling to the glorification, actually even before, excuse me, the predestining to the glorification, none are lost. But let us remember that there are many storms and floods that arise and beat. I think each of us can attest to those. Maybe not necessarily to the extent of Peter, where we have publicly denied Christ. But there's the times when we've been embarrassed of Christ, maybe times when we have walked our own way. Yet, I love how the, the paragraph kind of takes that picture of the, of, uh, the ship It's beaten against all these things, yet shall never be able to take them off that foundation in a rock, which by faith they are fastened upon. The strength is not in the ship. And even the fastening is not in their own strength, because it's not in our own strength, for it is what God has done. There are the times of unbelief. There's the temptations of Satan. There's even... For a time, maybe the, the light and the love of God is obscured, but it is never taken away. Sometimes it is due to our own sin. Sometimes it is to the testing of our faith, James 1. Or like Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now again, looking from eschatology perspective, we understand condemnation happens over here. So when does the judgment have to happen? That's before that, the chastening. That in this life, there's the testing of our faith. But there is not a mortal sin by which we then have to go to some other intermediate. But that all can go to Christ as 1 John 1, 9, to confess our sins, for he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Look at Romans 9, 11, and 16 on the screen behind me. Notice Paul writes these words. 
For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, of, not of works but of him who calls. So the emphasis there is not upon the strength of us as human beings, but it stands upon the character of God. Then it kind of repeats that in verse 16. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. If our salvation is of God, then our glorification is of God. I've said if somebody is going to hold the Arminian position, then they need to hold a position that we can lose our salvation. That's the only way you can kind of be consistent. I don't believe it's consistent whatsoever with Scripture, but it's at least consistent with its own position. The hope in here is not that we hold ourselves fast, but yet as that song, even as Bethany played it today, Christ will hold me fast. That is our hope. That we are secured upon Christ, not in our own strength. He doesn't change and we are kept by his power. Again, as John 10, 28 says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Again, eternal life is given to us. What does he mean by they shall never perish? That we shall never die? No. Christ believers die, but we die in him. Therefore, we do not perish, meaning that we have every ter- eternal life. And the reminder that we are kept in the hand. The hand of Almighty God. We are kept by the love of the Father. The merit and intercession of the Son is... Thomas Watson said, Would Christ think ye have shed his blood that we might believe in him for a little while and then fall away? Do we think that Christ will lose his purchase? And I think that's an aspect we miss on this whole truth. That we have been bought with a price, that there was that covenant between God the Father and God the Son in eternity past. This transaction has been made. It didn't mean, it wasn't up to us in our own power and our own strength. It was predetermined. And as A.A. Hodge says, Since therefore neither Christ's redemption nor his intercession can fail of the ends for which they are designed, it is evidently impossible that those for whom he was substituted and for whom he acquired a perfect righteousness and for whom he offers an effectual intercession can fail of salvation. It is impossible. It's due to the unchangeable love of God the Father, the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Christ, our union with him, It's based upon his oath. The biding work of the Spirit. The nature of the covenant of grace. I referred to it multiple times, but Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
Notice all those things are done for us, for us, for us. And if those are going to go away, it means that God reneges on that. But does God renege on it? Does God change his mind? No. I'm thankful for that. Because if, as uh, I, I probably said it before, John MacArthur has said, if we could lose our salvation, we would. That's our nature. We would set it aside. But as Hebrews 6, 17 and 18 says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. What a great hope we have. Again, we look and we'll see even more next week that the Christian life is not free of trials. It's not free of doubts. It's not free of sin. But those are who are his children will always be. And it's proved through the continual work of God in our life. I recognize there's, there's difficulties as we walk through, as we remember people, as we look at our own lives, we see our own sin. And yet, think of the Apostle Paul throughout the whole book of Romans. He's battling, saying, how in the world, look at my life. I, I do these things that I want to do that I don't do. I don't know. You can hear this battle within him, and that is really the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. That if it were not for God's grace, we would have no hope. He gives us eternal life. He keeps us to the point of glorification. The proof of that is that we continue to walk in his ways. I I pray that this can be an encouragement to us. The, the, The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is not a fatalistic doctrine. It's a doctrine of hope that none of his will perish. And we don't know who those are. As uh, I think it was Spurgeon, as he closed the service one Sunday, said, let's go find the elect. That's the joy in, salva- in sharing the gospel. The, the results are there because God has ordained those results. It's not in our will, but in his will, in his power. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these truths. And Father, I recognize the, the difficulty as we as we think of different people that we've walked the face of the earth with, just like the apostles with Judas or looking at the life of Peter and the denial. Lord, we pray that we would look and have hope, that there would be a a certainty in our lives, not based upon looking at the strength that we have, to not rely upon ourselves, but to rely upon Christ in his great work, in your great decree. Lord, show the fruit of salvation in our lives. Lord, prove yourself faithful by calling each one of us to be your children. Lord, thank you that you are faithful to continue to, to complete the good work that you have begun. 
Lord, do that work even here tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.